war in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. getting cold already this winter keep your family your employees warm with matthews oil company call them today 401-942-7500 matthews oil company 24-hour emergency service for over four generations they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now it's going to be a cold winter get that tank filled call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 in an emergency they offer 24-hour emergency service Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It's Tuesday. Hope everyone had a uh, beautiful Columbus Day weekend, Autumn Fest. The weather was actually perfect uh for all the events which i'm glad to see because people work so hard to get those events up and running and then the last thing you you need and one of the things you need is just if in fact you can uh then get some good weather which we did and actually the nice weather continues it seems like it's going to be you know this this time this time of year uh very comfortable temperatures into the 60s and so forth and it looks like it's going to be dry well folks tonight is big night there's a lot we have a big show in store <clears throat> on this um on this tuesday and uh several things first of all governor mckee that was different he had an emergency they're trying to say routine procedure but it was an emergency medical procedure over the weekend now there's several things about this in the mckee camp you know they're pretty they don't exactly uh <clears throat> expound upon different things that they have as far as you know they're kind of secretive not that transparent as we know they won't share information about this fbi probe but uh, so I, I wouldn't expect they'd be forthcoming with the governor. The word started to leak out because the governor McKee did not attend the Columbus State Parade. Instead, they had to have the <clears throat> lieutenant governor step in. So then when word started to leak out of why Governor McKee was there, not there, and then he also was not at Oktoberfest, uh, uh, Autumn Fest, excuse me, in Woodsocket yesterday, then, you know, then they knew it was going to be a problem. So he's slowly out they had him make an appearance this morning and i think that's that's it uh the governor looks exhausted he looks very tired haggard even um folks you know this this business of an fbi probe and it it just doesn't go away and it gnaws at you and i i've dealt with people i've covered people over the years that have dealt with an fbi probe where they're the subject of it and it's obviously not pleasant and they would tell me, you know, the worst part about it is it's it's like a mental torture. It's the last thing you think about when you're going to sleep because you're wondering, like, what's going to happen. And it's you wake up, and they would say the best part of the day is you wake up, and you're, like, come, you know, waking up from your sleep, and then you suddenly you start to remember that it's there. So it's like the last thing you think of and then the first thing. And it just hangs over you like a cloud. So with Governor McKee, you know, he's not – I wouldn't say he's old but he's not young i mean he's 71 he's gonna be 72 uh next year and and it takes a grind it's a grind on your health so several questions though that i think are, are very pertinent and one is did the governor receive anesthesia for this emergency medical procedure number one was was lieutenant governor notified of this if governor mckee was under anesthesia they they should have had someone standing by to take over i think this also calls into question the potential readiness of lieutenant governor matos so but that is something her she has a republican opponent and she won't commit to a debate stage and i think that what what is so appalling about that is she wasn't even elected lieutenant governor and she's hiding from him and i think there are several reasons why she's hiding but she's hiding she's agreed apparently to a radio debate but a radio debate 
she'll just have her cards and script in front of her and then you don't see that she's reading and then she'll just read off the cards so she's kind of protected by the radio debate you can't hide that as much in a in a television debate which is you know it's just a little more um it's it's a little more uh tense if you're then you know people are watching you now also there's a new boston globe poll that is out and i like the competition between the two polls by the way boston globe poll to me might even seemingly be a little more reflective of the race it has in congressional district two it has alan fung up eight points over seth magaziner i think fung is starting to pull away he's got the momentum all they need is to continue that momentum uh i think he's going to handle himself fine in the debates coming up i it, it's not like he's an unskilled debater so if, if your team fung and i think that was solid having former governor new jersey governor chris christie come in he was walking around federal hill with alan fung yesterday on columbus day and it solidifies the republican base so fung is in very very good shape now as far as tonight is the big first debate ashley kalis governor mckee and if i want to be objective about this which i do um she this is either the beginning of of the new phase of the race or it could be the end ashley kalis uh that's just the way it breaks she can't afford to have a bad night she can't and this it would be you know you wonder if it's the reach is too much she may do the best she possibly can and it may not be enough and where ashley kalis according to this globe poll she's actually doing okay they're almost running even in cd2 and alan fung with a big turnout that helps her they've been campaigning together where she ashley kalis for the next few weeks she needs to move to pawtucket she needs to spend all her time in woodsocket pawtucket cumberland lincoln smithfield parts of providence because governor mckee is up by 20 points in the first district he's starting to pile it up she has to cut into that lead she's got to bring him down in the first district and she's going to make gains 20 points that's big now there's still about according to the boston globe poll about 14 percent undecided which is good for ashley kalis and governor mckee okay so he's had some kind of emergency health scare that's number one is he a great debater no but she's never debated tonight so there's a lot on the line it's seven o'clock it's tonight on channel 12 i'm going to be doing facebook live before it and then we're going to do a facebook live after it to recap it it's tough i don't believe she's ever participated in a debate it would be if we want to be objective realistic which we do um it, it would it would be she needs several things to happen now the fact maybe governor mckee is physically not up to things could certainly help again he's not great but he has debated before and he just went through some pretty rough debates during the course of the primary and then the rest of the poll breaks out he's got a, a double digit lead over her in the race for governor and then i think this is more accurate the other three candidates for governor are under their one in two percent which i think is more reflective so folks it's tuesday i hope everyone had a good holiday weekend much more ahead we're going to talk justin katz politics this week right here is next on the john DePietro show the next time you have an emergency head straight to atmed urgent care two locations 1524 atwood avenue suite 122 in johnston or east greenwich 5750 post road atmed urgent care urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families specializing in ambulatory medicine diagnostic treatment service at med urgent care they provide immunization school sports physicals they're a cost-efficient health care alternative to hospital-based emergencies they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical orthopedic and trauma work-related injuries physical exams drug testing full laboratory services and with atmed urgent care they offer mononuclear antibody infusions you someone in your family suffering from covid you want to go straight to atmed urgent care two locations johnston 1524 atwood avenue suite 122 or east greenwich 5750 post road online at atmedurgentcare.net john DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 
We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, topetro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me right now, he is the managing editor, anchorising.com. It is Justin Katz. And Justin, I'd like to start off with um, typical McKee fashion, uh, the public his people, the press, uh, we are told that over the course of a holiday weekend, the government, the uh, excuse me, the governor kind of doesn't it, it's not consistent. It says it was a routine emergency procedure. And it, it, it's kind of been the way with Governor McKee. One of the reasons seemingly that they had to even disclose this was the fact that he's unable to on Columbus Day attend in uh, Northern Rhode Island, Woonsocket, it's a huge Oktoberfest, uh, you know, festival and so forth. And they had to acknowledge that, you know, he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be there, but it certainly raises a lot of questions. You know, the poll came out on Thursday night, which we're going to talk about Friday. He had no events scheduled, um, emergency routine procedure. And again, not trying to dig too deep, but, if someone has something over the course of a weekend that it's not even scheduled, that's somewhat alarming. The governor's 71. He'll be 72 next year. Um, something that's also missing, Justin Katz, is and I think it's a fair question. Was he given anesthesia? And therefore, was he out? Um, Lieutenant Governor Matos, was she alerted to this? Was she in charge? And once again, boy, really reemphasizes the importance of who holds that office? But Governor McKee, there's, I would argue there's a pattern between, you know, you're the governor. You can't just say, like, that's my personal, you know, health and hipper and so forth. I mean, th- this is also the same individual that won't, you know, won't tell the public, the press, who's been subpoenaed, what subpoenas have been issued at his office with the whole FBI probe. So I'd like to just get your thoughts. I, I, I think there's a lot of questions here on exactly what happened and and especially lieutenant governor you look at her twitter feed she's marching around a parade she's doing all sorts of things was she even alerted that this was going on and you never know what could happen with with uh with someone when they're having quote a routine medical procedure but i want to start off getting your thoughts on just how the way that the key people are handling this well i, I think you you point to a key part of it if if he's undergoing some kind of a, a procedure which was unexpected and potentially quote an emergency then preparations need to be made you know probably nothing will happen but the as you say the lieutenant governor ought to be notified and if she's notified the people ought to be notified meaning you know the media and everybody else so it's it's something that there ought to be transparency about i think the, the you're, you're pointing out his age kind of puts a, a spotlight on that i mean it's one thing you know health things can come up for anybody at any age, you know, without notice and you go into, you know, outpatient surgery or whatever it might be. But as our leaders become in their seventies, eighties, who knows it, I think it becomes more important for them to be very transparent, very quick to say, I'm going into the doctor's office. Here are the preparations we have made in case something should happen. I mean, that's just basic. I think basic governance protocol that ought to be in place as especially as leaders age and i think the the emphasis on a lieutenant governor is well placed too i mean it it almost not a day goes by when we shouldn't shake in our boots that aaron regenberg with no experience a young far left radical progressive was almost the governor very nearly the governor because he was very nearly lieutenant governor that's a very important consideration as we look at McKee going into the hospital or go to the doctor's office and, and the, the Lieutenant governor potentially in charge, could she be the governor? That's a, that's oh. a key question. All the stuff about you know, women's rights and labor and all that stuff should take a back seat to, can you run the government of Rhode Island? Are you able to do it? I, I, suspect she's not quite up to the task given her experience but more importantly nobody's asking i mean it's not even a it's not even a question could you step into the governor's seat that ought to be the central issue of the lieutenant governor's race and not only that justin katz but if you anyone that's following and i recognize see because of cd2 and fog magazine we're going to talk about that in the governor's race and there's other races Obviously, then the lieutenant governor kind of takes a little, you know, it's considered a down ballot. It takes a little bit of a backseat. But uh, Aaron Gookian, 
who is challenging her, he's already complaining that she won't debate him. And that was the, you know, kind of the complaint in the Democrat primary from her opponents, Cynthia Mendez de Virgilio, that she did one debate channel 12. Anyone that watched it, it didn't go well. She struggled. I, I, I will once again, and these are my words, but she has a fundamental, and I've seen this at press conferences, she has a fundamental misunderstanding of certain phrases. English is her second language. And so their solution was, we're just going to hide her. But in this particular situation, I mean, think of the different people you know. I can tell you, I've never gone into the hospital on a weekend to have an emergency. I mean, what their phrase doesn't even make sense. A, a, an emergency routine procedure. That, that's an oxymoron. There's no such thing as an emergency routine. Um, it was so serious, they couldn't wait till Monday. And I, I don't understand. He had no events on his schedule. The same was over the weekend. But, you know, they kind of, to me, always play fast and loose. Did he not have any events on Friday because he was not up to it? And, you know, let's face it, for him, um, I, I don't know exactly what his schedule was. I thought he was initially supposed to be involved with the Columbus Day parade on federal hill i i haven't heard any follow-up on that i i'll agree with you i think the media really seemed flat-footed on this but i think a, a real fair question for the mckee people is did he receive anesthesia for the procedure and does that mean was there were they even prepared for an element of a transfer of power while if he was under anesthesia for two hours then there should have been, how come the lieutenant governor wasn't there at the hospital and why wasn't there someone standing by for potential, even though a short period of time, a transfer of power? All right. Well, exactly. There ought to, there ought to be official protocols in place for that. And as you said, you know, it's, it's one thing to have health privacy, but when you're the governor of a state, you've got to be more transparent. You've got to tell people what does, what is a, a routine emergency? I mean, I suspect what they're trying to say is this, it was something that had to be done right away, but it wasn't, you know, an unusual or, or cataclysmic illness, which, okay, fine. But what, what does that mean? You, you've got to give some detail. And I think with, with Matos, I, you, you kind of, to ask the questions about the politics puts kind of answers itself, right? So you've got she doesn't perform well in a debate. If no. the question were to come up, could you be the governor? Do you have the experience? What experience do you have to run a state? Those two combined would not be a winning combination for her, which is why they've got to kind of hide her and they've got to keep the keep the issues off of the question of can you run a state? I mean, in fairness, she could probably run it just as well as McKee because he's not very good at it either. But True. I mean, the, but the, the question ought to be asked. And, and in the other poll questions about McKee in particular, nobody thinks he can run the state. So, uh, you know, the idea that she should be, but that ought to be the, the focus of the lieutenant governor race is could you run a state? Because that's the only job they actually have. That is exactly right. When she was head of the Providence City Council, we're talking about folks, Lieutenant Governor Sumit Matos, she supported defunding the police. So that certainly comes into play. But I, I think if, if this were, in fact, happening, um, I, then I don't think she should have been out there, you know, marching around, whatever, because then what if something, you know, the, they, they can't always play nothing's going to happen. What if something happened to her? If that were the case, then she, to me, should have been kind of off, you know, doing these parades and festivals and, and kind of like being prepared just in case if something happened. Um, it, but but I think I, I would like to know what was his schedule for the weekend. We don't have to know. You know, I, I, I already can tell, like, with this administration, Justin Kent, they, they would hide, like, it's no one's business and, and it's the governor's medical. But, but, but there, there's a difference here. He's the governor. And we have a right to know, you know, exactly, like, what was his weekend? You know, where was he on Saturday and when was the procedure performed and how how long was it? And did he I think the most important it's a very fair question, because as someone that's had anesthesia, um, it's it's not just, you know, when you have it, it's that, you know, you're a little foggy afterwards. We don't know what it was. It's more that, that to me, there should be some protocol. But this also kind of to me reinforces the Governor McKee just doesn't need they just don't follow it. Uh, and I think the FBI subpoena hiding that information, uh, the way they were hiding a lot of the documents from Channel 12 when they were first 
investigating the ILO situation on whether or not they wouldn't, you know, share an email. If you requested Mike and it said Michael, then they wouldn't, you know, share it. That's like playing fast and loose to me. Um, I mean, again, I don't think anyone's overreacting, but their their lack of transparency. I think there are very legitimate questions on what was the timeline of events over the course of, say, starting Friday into Saturday, Sunday, so much that they it couldn't wait till either you know Monday or Tuesday. He needed to have this procedure done over the weekend. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and it ties into the his his overall approach and and my criticism of that over the months if if they're if you're under investigation err on the side of transparency yeah let everybody know put everything out there it'll it'll you'll everybody can make their decision and if there's nothing there they'll move on instead it's this hide ever as much as you can give them minimal information i think it's the same thing with his health decisions maybe there's a barrier at some point you don't have to tell the entire uh, world, your blood pressure or something like that, but a schedule or whether or not the lieutenant governor was was prepared to be you know, in place in case something happened. Those are legitimate questions and, and we don't get any of them. We just get vague, uh, nonsensical spin. Yeah. And, and, and the media was caught off guard. It, it broke Sunday night. Ted Nisi, I believe, was the one that got, you know, that's their way trying to score points with him and the debate coming up, they feed him the story. He was able to break it, but it's, and, and then conversely, because of that, the individual that breaks it, and it's just the, the nature of it. You tend not to ask a lot of questions and dig into it. I, I think there's a lot of questions here. Folks, quick break, much more head politics this week with Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com right here on the John DePietro show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with Propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 our segment is politics this week with me is justin katz managing editor anchorising.com well justin the uh, channel 12 did come out and then the boston globe is going to have some poll numbers as well but let's uh, I'd like to get your thoughts. Let's start off with the governor's race where Governor McKee has a double digit lead over Ashley Kalis, not blowing out of the water. Forty five, uh, thirty two, right around there. Fifteen percent undecided. But what do you think Ashley Kalis needs to do? And can she close the gap? Well, I, I think she definitely can. I, you know, the, the poll numbers from WPRI are, are kind of interesting i mean as you say mckee has this significant lead but nothing else in the poll would lead you to understand why i mean his his unfavorability is up yeah. uh, especially among the the very unfavorable right. um, that's uh, that's that's an indication people aren't really uh, aren't really into him yeah they it doubled very unfavorable the unfavorable doubled from 11 percent to 22 percent since august i mean that's a pretty big swing over a, a couple months they don't like him the a clear plurality of rhode islanders think the state's going in the wrong direction and the top issue is not any of the social issues it's it's cost of living which is him and it's also joe biden so i think that's where callus needs to focus there's she has a lot more people who don't know anything about her and her, her favorability numbers are better at least in this poll but but with more not sure folks and that's where she needs to go and i think what they need to do i mean mckee's trying to, to nationalize it to secure his base because he's not very popular among his his people he's emphasizing abortion i mean he had it, it struck me as odd i saw on social media people complimenting his latest uh his latest commercial but it's him with his large family you know three generations in the household 
and he's touting his, his his support for abortion just kind kind of didn't really click with me but he's so he's trying to he's trying to leverage that i think kalis needs to flip that and um nationalize it in a good way for her you know pointing out tying him with biden tying him with national inflation problems also pointing out his his poor governance in rhode island the controversies she can really she if she can get a lot of those unfavorables, I mean, un- undecideds to, to start to turn her way, a lot of the, I noticed, for example, Makita's best among young voters, that's under 40, so it's not very granular, but young voters and voters who are only 50-50 on whether they're going to vote. So there, he, he does best among young people who don't know much about what's going on. So there's a, but they're still saying him, so they're not counted as undecided. She can get those folks. She she just has to figure out how to get them to think about tie in. I mean, among the young voters, their concern about cost of living was among the highest of all the age groups. So if she can get them thinking about what's going wrong in their lives, actually, and tie it to McKee, which should be easy because a lot of it's on him as governor and a lot of it's on his party with Biden. She she can definitely close the gap. Of course, there's not a lot of time between now and the election to do that. So she's going to have to figure out how to do it. And the media is not going to help her. We've already been seeing that. There, it's the constant drip, drip, drip of, oh, did she vote in Florida? Oh, her, her husband got a, got a homestead exemption in another state. All those little things are going to drip, drip and put her on defensive. What's your feeling on DeSantis? What's your feeling on abortion? She needs to get past that and start really get out there with a message that starts to she needs to leverage mckee's unfavorables more i think at this point than her own favorables i think that's an excellent point justin and i i think we both agree this is a winnable race for ashley kalis yeah he's at 45 but there are some controversies and things about the way he's run things that certainly could come into question and i think that 45 could come down uh, I, I think he could easily be more in the 40, 42 range, maybe even below 40 if things blew up enough. But there's there's a number of things that I think she also has to capitalize on that people do care about, but they weren't brought out in the Democrat primary. I think she really needs to, I think, flip the script and really show the difference, such as, you know, it wasn't brought in the primary, but most people you talk to, they did not like that he gave out those $3,000 bonuses to the state workers. Now, they didn't highlight in the Democrat primary, but I think there's something there because the rest of the taxpayers didn't get it. I also think so far, <clears throat> I mean, in most states, the fact that he's giving driver's license or permits, whatever he wants to call them, to illegals, I think that's an issue. I think it helps her in the suburbs. I think that's another thing. That's To me, that's Providence, protected Central Falls politics. But it doesn't play well outside of there in places like Lincoln and Johnston, North Providence, Cranston, Warwick. So I think she needs to really pivot this to real issues. Like she's, to me, in some ways still running on the issues that were, you know, big in the Democrat primary. She needs to pivot this race into general election issues. And they're very different. You know, never mind the fact the state is so business unfriendly. And him walking the picket line for the unions at a private business. I I think there's room to go. The question is, you know, she's never run before. Um, I think the opening is there. And now this health thing, you know, there is a way to, as I think, ask some pretty legitimate questions about this. Um, But but she needs to pivot this and really show the distinction uh, to me, when he, she's on a debate stage with him, she is going to get that chance. We'll see whether or not if she can kind of thread the needle. Folks, our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorrising.com. Now, Justin, also in that poll is the soccer stadium. And I think that's another example where it's very unfavorable. I think Governor McKee is is vulnerable on that. But I think Kalis really needs to hammer home. This This is such a boondoggle. It's it's 60 million and growing. And again, those in the Democrat primary were very cautious about it. I I think she needs to really hammer him home because the last thing people want to see is just another, you know, 38 studios. And this time would be in the form of an empty, huge, very expensive soccer stadium. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're you're putting your your finger on exactly the the 
opportunities or a problem, which depending on your perspective in Rhode Island, I mean, you've, you've got 56% of Rhode Islanders, according to this poll, are against $60 million for the soccer stadium. But of course, that and all these other issues didn't come up in a Democrat primary, as you say, because they're all complicit. Their party is complicit. The only group that thinks Rhode Island's going in the right direction are Democrats, and that's because they're in on the scam that's, that's destroying yeah. the state. Everybody else is not. And so you, what you see and what we've seen in Rhode Island, at least for the decades I've been watching, is this sort of reflexive vote for Democrats. People just they've been sold the line that they're the party of the good guy and a little guy and this and that and the other thing and women's rights. And, and it's not true, but it's been the narrative that's been out there and people are starting to sense it. And I think there's, there's an opportunity for Kalis particularly to, to tie this stuff back to McKee and get all those people who, who just vote Democrat because they think it's the right thing to do, get them to start thinking about where you don't like the stadium. Who's doing that? This governor, you don't like, cost of living who's doing that this governor and the president both democrats that's that's definitely what what needs to be hammered and they they it doesn't come up in a primary which is why she has a lot more work to do it's almost um it well <laughs> republican primary would have the media would have uh, also focused on the same issues to try to hurt the republicans so it might not have helped but now is the time she's just got to get out there and start pointing to these things relentlessly every every time some other issue comes up the response needs to be yeah but what about the cost of living yeah but what about the stadium what that's that's what i think she has to do with but again the, the, the clock's ticking she's got what less than a month now so uh she really needs to get out to those to those voters particularly the ones who just identify those groups it seems to be younger democrats identify them and get them to actually start thinking before they vote. And I think that can that can easily close the gap between, I mean, it's what, 36, 45 in this poll, uh, no, 32, 35, 45 rather. So, you know, half of that, and you've got, you, if you flip 7%, you win. So I think I think that's where she needs to focus. And I think, um, and I, I was seeming saying at the time, you know, of late, she has gone with this important, you know, votes meetings. Um, but But like, for instance, you can't go backwards, but it's too bad that Ashley Kalis did not attend that commerce meeting because that was a sleazy deal. Governor McKee, he was the deciding vote, Justin, on that soccer stadium. And I still call into question the fact that two board members abstained and didn't vote. I, I think there was something, you know, in the works. McKee was sitting next to George Nate. He got the endorsement that day from the AFL-CIO. There's no way he was going to vote against it based on, you know, just the the situation in the room but the fact those two members some deal was cut where they go to them and say okay listen i'm not saying you're going to vote for it but what can i do so you won't just vote against it just so you know that's that's an agreement there there's a deal where they get someone to abstain from the vote and they were able to do that with with two of the people so you know that that's something that could have been explored and before we take a break Justin, what do you make also in the poll question, the amount of uh, people that feel the state's headed in the wrong direction, especially independent voters? Only 23 percent feel the state is headed in the right direction. This is like the entire state's in a car and everyone knows the car's about to go off the cliff. But everyone's just along for the ride. I mean, that that number is pretty powerful that, you know, you start to get into. Basically, 75% of the state can see that it's headed in the wrong direction, that this this is not the right person to be in charge. But yeah. I, go ahead. No, I was just, it's almost like the, an inversion. Everybody, I think everybody's so beat down in Rhode Island and has so little actual hope that things can change that they don't know what to do. So 45% think it's wrong direction, 34 right direction. That is almost the inversion of the McKee Kalis race, right? 45, 32 right. in that case. Good so point. There's just, just this huge disconnect where people, so I think what really needs to happen is, is, alternatives need to be put out there people need if, if somebody could give give a sense that this could change in reverse and give a convince people of a plan to do it i think there's a real opportunity for, for what's called the preference cascade where everybody everybody starts to realize their false beliefs are, are false and they can they can say what they believe is true and suddenly everybody's doing it i think there's real opportunity for that but it's going to take take some leadership but it's but it's stunning yeah for, uh, large plurality of, of Rhode Islanders think the state's going in the wrong direction. Just about 
every category, man, woman, young, old, everybody, except, uh, except among purely Democrats, there's, there's a plurality that says it's going in the right direction. Because as I said, they're, they're the ones who benefit from the system as it is. But there's, there's got to still be a way to get people to, to change direction. I, I, how much longer that's going to last, I don't know. Maybe if we had, uh, had lost our Congress seat, then uh, they would, people would have woken up just enough. Or maybe people are leaving and it's, it's, it's beyond repair and we're, we're past the point of no return. That's, time will tell on that front. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorrising.com. Our segment, Politics This Week, right here on the John DePietro Show. This is the perfect time of year to have some paving done for your home, residential, commercial, seal coating, and patios. Make it letter J, J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair pricing, exceptional service. Call them today for a free estimate, 401 732 1730 the next couple of months get your driveway prepared for winter time call j perry paving today for a free quote 401-732-1730 licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting their clients needs no matter how big or how small whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed call j perry paving today affordable smooth safe to drive on aesthetically appealing remember even asphalt can be recycled reused call them for a free quote letter j j perry paving look for them on facebook and call 401-732-1730 remember no one's better to veterans than j perry paving call them today 401-732-1730 high quality fair pricing exceptional service free estimate J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Well, Justin, staying with the Channel 12 poll, uh, I think this is very promising. And then to follow that up, uh, Real Clear Politics has now come out. And what had been toss-up, they're now saying that CD2 race, the Langevin seat, which is Alan Fung and general treasurer of Seth Magazine, now leads Republican. Now, Fung has a six-point lead in that race. He had a six-point lead going back in June. He seems to be holding strong. Magazine does not seem to be in any way closing the gap. Um, there is the margin of error. It is interesting. Of course, those that want to say, oh, it's a dead heat, even though, no, the poll shows that Fung is ahead. Um, but I want to get your thoughts on the poll numbers in that CD2 race. Yeah, well, the, the the overall margin for error of the poll is 5%, but in that race, for some reason, it's 6%, which is exactly where he is. So he's right at the margin of error. But I, there's a lot of reason, I think, to, to be optimistic in it. I mean, if you look at it, Fung is stronger with Democrats than Magaziner is with Republicans. So he, he's got more inroads into his opponent's territory. And he, more important, he leads among people who are very like to vote. That's that's a key key area because a lot of those people among the 50 fifties uh, are the ones who are somewhat likely to vote. They're just not going to vote or they'll skip that race or whatever that. So, so I think he's in strong territory there, um, but he, he's definitely, he's definitely winning and holding his, his own. And honestly, the most encouraging thing I think for Fung is I'm just not seeing Magaziner come up with anything new. I, it's, it's almost like they've just settled on their hunker down. Uh, he's going to be the first vote for, for a Republican majority. That's, or he's going, that's going to be his first vote. And, and McKee and Magaziner is all for abortion. And so that's, that's why you should vote for us. And so I think that's, we're not seeing anything new, but I think, I still think Fung can, can increase the gap some by, by turning that around and pointing out, look, you need somebody in the majority. Republicans are going to win. We've got four Democrats. That's not good for us. Our state's going in the wrong direction. And this is part of the reason why we need to start spreading things out. Uh, and so I think that indicates strong, uh, a strong opportunity for Fung. Of course, the Democrats are going to be spending next month trying to find something to shake his lead. And uh, we'll see if they can find anything. But he's so well known at this point after all his years in, in Rhode Island politics that it's hard to imagine what new thing they could come out. And that's why a lot of what you see from the Democrats, particularly on social media, just seems so petty and it's all been said before. So he's in a strong position, Fung is. And I, I think it's his to lose at this point. I think also, Justin, um, it says a lot about the two candidates, just the fact Seth Magazina, for those who may not remember, but you probably when he announced for governor, um, instead of just then answering questions, 
you know, some consultant told him, no, don't answer any questions. Make them the press go to the next event. That's where you'll take questions. And it was it was bizarre. I think it was a Pawtucket. So you had Ted Nisi, Kathy Gregg. They were literally chasing him. And he, he wouldn't answer any questions, not because it didn't make sense, not because he didn't know them, just because some consultant told him, you know, no, you don't answer questions. They go to the next one. The the optics of it looked terrible. Then they drove away in a car that had Florida license plates. But I think part of the uh, that to me just shows you Seth Magazine. This is when you're a young guy and things have been handed to you. And he's just kind of like along for the ride. You know, someone to me, some consultant is telling him, here's how you fight a Republican running for Congress. You bring up the Trump stuff. You bring up abortion. And the problem is, to his credit, Alan Fung doesn't fit that narrative. He was, you know, he was not a big Trump guy. All they have is that hat. The, the, um, the campaign of Magazina, to me, Justin, it, it hasn't evolved. It, it's also it's not even like a Rhode Island type issue. Everything. Every ad is about abortion. And then it is shown that, you know, obviously females are voting for him. But Fung is not easy. Where where I would feel good if I'm in the Fung camp is also he's been on a debate stage. Now, not just one election cycle, two election cycles against Gina Raimondo. And in the last one in 18, he had, you know, Joe Trillo basically attacking him on the stage. So I think it can keep his cool. Um he is an experienced debater. He was an attorney. He's been an attorney. Uh, I I think, you know, if they can get the turnout, I think in the debates, it could actually play to Fung's advantage because then people will really see that Magaziner. Now, again, he's kind of robotic. He doesn't go up or down. He's he's pretty disciplined, but he's just not that likable. Justin Katz, what do you also make of this uh, Langevin story that – you know, and I had talked about that. I had heard rumblings when he first said he wasn't going to run, and it's because there was an investigation and the SEC was looking at some of the trades that he made. And now, here it is, he's leaving office. He's so uh, brazen about it. Congressman Landrin, 30% returns. He was trading over $1 million in stocks. Obviously, the accusations are that you're capitalizing on inside information, but because he's leaving Washington, he seemingly doesn't care. What is ironic, though, is magaziners on TV <laughs> saying he would ban that. And the guy that gave him the endorsement is one of the biggest offenders of the whole thing. Yeah, that is, <laughs> did not look very good for, for Magazine or for Langevin. You know, the, there's a, a very strange kind of disconnect that these these politicians get away with with this kind of stuff. I mean, Langevin saying it's very important for for people to trust in their government. And as soon as, as soon as there's a law passed, I'll, I'll do the ethical thing. I mean, that's basically was his point. Uh, and Langevin, I mean, magazine are coming out with the, you know, the, the tr- anti-trading policy. I'm not sure. I mean, Sheldon Whitehouse, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat from Rhode Island is, is plays the same kind of game, lots of investments, but talks about that. And also with dark money you know, they all take dark money, but that's the villain. They like to vilify. The reality is Langevin I mean, he wasn't an unsuccessful person in his life, but he wasn't exactly a you know, leader of industry. And people go into Congress and come out richer than when they went in. Yeah. And that's that's not the way it should be. That's, right. It's not public service if you are profiting by that much by being there. And I think that's that's a key point people need to understand. And it's not putting rules about you know, how you invest, if you can invest. That does not matter because as, as long as there is this big government power, these positions are going to be very valuable and people are going to find a way to make money off them. Even if it means they retire a little younger and, and then, then they get all their goodies from their, from the people they helped out when they were in office, even if they have to do it that way. But that's where it really comes into. And all of the insiders, particularly magaziner, uh, wealthy, well-to-do political family in the game a long time with the Clintons and so on. Uh, they're all in, in on this. And it, that's what, what I think people need to realize when you watch a, a congressman like Langevin trading a million dollars a year, including stocks related to in short term bets on on tech firms, you know, with the with the call options and such, particularly those. I mean, it's one thing if you're making long term decisions on kind of the the steady stock portfolio that's you know just a standard Dow Nasdaq he was making you know kind of innovative bets on a market that he is on a subcommittee 
dealing with cybersecurity that's very relevant to that industry. And so it just, it looks terrible and it shouldn't be the way it is. But I think it has to come back to a change to really thinking of these things as, as public service and people who want successful people who are going to say, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice a few years of my income uh, in order to, to put in my time and, and serve, serve my country as a congressman or whatever. I mean, in this regard, it's, it's, and Donald Trump is much more the example than, say, a Joe Biden, right? Joe Biden's never done anything but be in government, and it's made him very wealthy. Trump, by all accounts, lost wealth by becoming a president. I think that's kind of more the model we want in government, not necessarily Donald Trump but as a character, but certainly that, um, certainly that kind of a attitude where you're, you're wealthy people are taking the hit, they're putting their stocks in a blind blind uh, portfolios that they can't see while they do it and they want to get out quickly. Well, that's almost like a, a way to get uh, term limits right away. You'll never get term limits that they can go in and get richer as they stay in office. You needed to invert. But the big thing is you need to shrink government. And so every claim from Magaziner of, of wanting to get stock, stop, stop stock trading in, in Congress, it's, it's all hollow because the money will find a way as long as the power is there. And he's all for the power. He is. And the thing about Landrin, just to put this in perspective, I mean, Bernie Madoff, people stayed with Bernie Madoff because it's like he guaranteed a 10 percent return. Landrin is getting a 30 percent return. Now, that is, you know, come on. There's there's something amiss there. He's also making the trades himself. White House was using someone that was, you know, making the blind trades. But just to put this in perspective for people, you're talking about if you invest one million. Langevin's getting 300,000. And I mean, that is just astronomical. If he's that talented, he should be down on Wall Street because there were Wall Street firms that would pay him for that type of uh, expertise. One of the reasons why neither one is attacking him is because he still has popularity rating that's very positive from what I'm told in CD2 is approval ratings like over 60%. But I would argue that's because people don't know of this stock scam. I think it would it would uh, diminish uh, incredibly if, in fact, there was a light shown on it. And finally, Justin Katz, we have this Providence teacher, Ramona Bessinger, who's been very outspoken. They they allowed the students to do a protest against her. She's now saying that she's being um, pulled from the classroom, isn't being told why, why they're going to investigate. I think one of the biggest things, though, is the school allowed and tolerated these students to march out of class you know, it's the playbook of then uprises right there to film the whole thing. Um, I, I just wonder wh why, you know, she's allowed to be targeted because of who she is, which is a, a white female and the things that she's against. You just wonder, and I think you and I both know the answer, would they be, the school be so tolerant if students, if they marched out um, for different reasons? Let's just say if it was a person, the teacher was a person of color or if the person happened to be, prefer same-sex relationships. There's, I, I think there's a double standard of what the school will be tolerant in allowing with their students and what they're going to protest. Yeah, I mean, what, I, I didn't look it up before we, we spoke, but I, not long ago, I think in Gloucester, one of those towns out to the west of Rhode Island, a few students had kind of a little protest with Trump flags and stuff like that. And the, the response was very much, very different. They were, it was, they were targeted as if they were spreading, uh, spreading racist material and propaganda. And, and I think it even made some national news about these students and the flags they were carrying. I think that, that shows you, I mean, in the past few years, we've got, we've been getting, repeated examples of, of this double standard of, of if you have the right views, you can do whatever. And in fact, it's encouraged. And I think that's what we're, the school's going to tolerate it because the school's calling for this stuff. They're starting with this project-based civic stuff, which basically means you go out and you advocate for progressive causes. And I that's think right. that's, that's the imbalance we've got in our school system. If you're, and, and we see it in, in politics all over the place. If you have the right views, you can do everything. If you have the wrong views, you can't do anything. In fact, in Canada, they'll freeze your bank accounts if you have the wrong views. And, and who knows when that'll come to the United States. But I think that's in a small way, it's related to that. But I think one key point with, with Ramona Bessinger's story, though, is there, this, there's this repeated, again, this disconnect. I mean, she's pointing out things that are depriving kids of decent education. The, the, it's becoming propagandized. The materials are being given are not not, not psychologically healthy. They're not intellectually stimulating and they're not they're not realistic as far as presenting facts and teaching critical thinking. They're all propaganda. And I think 
that really is a an issue that these the kids and the, their younger parents ought to be able to to understand and protest in the other direction and that's what's so so kind of frustrating about this and i i can't help but wonder if some of it's kind of the approach we're not on on the right we're not really providing explaining what the alternative is and what the harm is that's being done to them we, there's kind of this quick run to to outrage which is understandable but Rhode Island is just beyond that point you're not gonna you're not gonna just kind of put on display all the outrageous stuff and win a vote because the, the, the it's just so t- tilted the other direction you need to start being persuasive and in that regard uh, you know R- Ramona's kind of uh, blunt and national uh, presentation of her her findings is it, did not did not help people get defensive when they're when they think they're they're in on the scam and i think that's what we see in rhode island because they're they are all in on the scam you know maybe um just pivoting back to the you know race for governor and so forth someone to watch is that carrie lake she's running for governor of arizona the way she explains school choice school should be competitive parents choice i think some people locally would benefit from watching the way she very effectively explains it because it's very easy to understand. I think there's some attempts locally to try to do that, but I, I don't think they, they do it as effectively as she does. Folks, again, he is the managing editor, anchorrising.com, and it's Justin Katz. Justin, excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. I'll talk to you soon. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast, is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006. And also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439 439- 6028 439 6028 whether it's tree removal stump grinding tree pruning emergency service bucket truck service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down at Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439-6028, 439-6028. If they have to, they get right up there in the bucket. Yankee Tree Service, since 2006, tree trimming experts. Give them a call, 439-6028, or online at yankeetreeservice.com.